0: Welcome back to Crazy Faith Talk. I'm Steve.
1: And I'm Erica. And friends, as we said last week, uh, our partner in all of this, Sarah, is not with us as she continues to deal with some uh, flood recovery because of the recent hurricane that went through. Uh, but we missed her, but look forward to having her back here very soon. Hopefully
0: she'll set us straight and correct all the places that we've you know, Oh we've
1: yeah, had. all the, all the uh, heresies so and everything you, that we've had, yes.
0: I guess it's a heresy free for today <laughs> and we'll just trust that she'll sweep it all up for us. <laughs> Which is good, because we're in the middle of this series about weird Bible stories, and every time we find ourselves in some very strange places. We've looked at uh, Jacob wrestling with uh, God, an angel, somebody weird, uh, who appears in the middle of the night. We've had somebody falling out of a window in the middle of the night, and then Paul finishing up a sermon that apparently was very important to finish. Uh, We've had witches, we've had um, strange miracles. So, um, this is a weird series, and we're glad you're along for the ride. So, what weird story we're looking at today erica
1: so we're continuing in the book of acts we've been in acts on and off for the past few weeks here and we're going to finally get to the end of the book in chapter 28 we're going to be looking at one of the last things we hear about paul in this book um throughout the book throughout paul's story he gets shipwrecked several different times um he is beaten you know all kinds of things happen to him this time after um he gets shipwrecked on the island of malta and is shown unusual kindness by the natives, as, you know, in Luke's words. Mm-hmm. Um, it's rainy and it's cold, so they begin a fire. And out of this fire comes the poisonous snake that bites Paul.
0: Now so that we're clear at this point, it's not weird in the sense of like the fire makes a snake. We're not, no, 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 no. no. If they take a pile of Mm -hmm. brushwood, put it in a fire Mm -hmm. make a fire out of it. And a snake that happens, to have already been living there. Yes. Doesn't want to live in the fire anymore.
1: Yes. Thank you for clearing that up. So it's
0: weird. It's about to be weird in a different way, but it's 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 not a a snake snake
1: coming out of of the fire. It's not like a golden calf coming out of the fire like Moses deal. It's just a snake that happened to be close to the fire comes out. He bites Paul. And so the, uh, the natives are thinking, well, this guy is a murderer, and because the shipwreck didn't kill him, well, now the snake has been sent, and it's going to do him in because justice needs to be served. Except it doesn't.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> Paul shakes the snake off his hand and has no ill effects from it. Um, and so the natives are just like, oh my gosh, who is this man? They think he's a god, and so they start to bow down and worship him. Um, and while they're there... Um, there's a man there who, whose father, um, is sick and laying in bed with a fever and dysentery and Paul goes to visit him and cures him by praying and putting hands on them. And after that, uh, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases came and were cured. And so again, it's kind of adding to this idea that Paul was a God, Mm -hmm. um, idea. So that's kind of where the story.
0: <laughs> it, it's weird, like like we keep saying, it's a weird way to end the story. It's just a weird story on its own, yeah. And it doesn't have a really uh, great conclusion. I mean, like the, 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 some stories neatly tie up with, and everybody came to faith and they got baptized. At the end, and that's why mm-hmm. it all turned out. But this is more: Paul is on this island for a while, helping and healing people, and one hopes that at some point he told them, "I'm not a god. I'm a representative of yeah. the Lord Jesus or whatever." And in other moments in the book of Acts, things like that happen. There's a healing, and someone will be like, oh, we should bow down and worship this person, and they'll go, no, 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 no. I'm just mm-hmm. here to bring you the good news of Jesus, and Jesus is the one who's brought you to life or healed you or whatever. Um, the, the book of Acts seriously is full of moments like that where the miracle is what prompts somebody to say, now let me tell you about Jesus. And that doesn't happen here. Which, And, and again, Luke is not... Um, not afraid of giving us those kind of moments over and over yeah. and over again ad nauseum. Sometimes we'll hear the same story or the same, like, Paul, as part of his sermon, will tell his life story, give his testimony over and over and over. We know the story now, Paul, but we don't get that here. And it, the 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 conclusion, if there is one, is that eventually they get on a different boat and Paul ends up headed back toward Rome awaiting trial Where and the Book of Acts has this weird open-ended sort of a he's awaiting trial under house arrest, Mm -hmm. waiting for his appeal to the emperor. Um, But it is quite likely that when he eventually got that trial, the story of which we aren't told, he was killed by the empire. You know, like long, long, long. Same tradition has it Paul ends up being beheaded in Rome. Um, How long of a wait it was? What other things he did in the means? I'm hard to know, but. By the time Luke is writing what we call the book of Acts, Paul's been dead for some time. He could have told us that story and doesn't, and instead leaves it open-ended. And this story sort of, like, paves the way for that open-endedness in a way that, I mean, i got to wrestle with, too. Mm-hmm. On on Sunday mornings, when we tell stories about Jesus, and certainly in Sunday school, but often when when... Uh, We're reading a story from the Gospels. The stories have convenient, nice and tidy beginning, middle and ends. And the ends Mm -hmm. are usually, you know, and everybody said Jesus was, who is this? Or, you know, and then they believed in him or, you know, the person was raised back to life. And this just kind of has that hanging, what are we going to do with all this? Um, And that that to me feels more honest because we're living through life Mm -hmm. that's not quite resolved. But it's weird to come across a story that way
1: and even with the whole snake bite deal. Yeah. You know, and Paul being bitten and not suffering any type of swollenness, not, you know, not dying obviously. Mm-hmm. There still doesn't even seem to be necessarily a point in that either. Right. You know, like yes God protected him, but it doesn't say that in scripture right. directly. Right. You know, Paul doesn't give credit to God for protecting him. It's right. just kind of again one of those like why is this passage even here? Yeah.
0: And, and it reminds me, like later you'll get hints in some of Paul's letters as he reflects on the stuff he's been through. Like I'm thinking in particular this passage in what we call Second Corinthians where Paul gives a sort of litany of stuff he's lived through. And he goes, um, as servants of God, we have come through afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonment, riots, labor, sleepless night, hunger. Uh, and then goes on to say, you know, we've been treated as imposters, yet are true, as unknown, yet are well-known, as dying, and yet we're alive, as poor, we yet making many, many rich. That, you know, Paul is gets to a point in his life where he can recite the list of stuff he's been through and the theological conclusion he gets to at the end of that is not what maybe people expect sometimes it's when the bad things happen it was god punished me and when the good things mm-hmm. happen it must have been god rewarding me paul like blows that apart and goes yeah. you know what it's not any of that but god carried me through the bad times and also god preserved me in the times when there's you know good mm-hmm. things going on and that god is most clearly revealed maybe in the places you least expect, in what looks like weakness and loss and suffering. And again, like for people who say that the, the clearest revelation of God is dying on a Roman cross, that has a certain logic to it. But man, that runs counter to not only conventional wisdom, but to be honest, a lot of pop Christian theology, I mean, sort of the whole prosperity theology that's out there of if you believe hard enough, then good things will come to you. The book of Acts certainly blows that apart and goes, no, Mm -hmm. here's Paul being faithful. And he was faithful on the ship when it got a shipwreck. That wasn't God's punishment. That just, things happen. Mm -hmm. When the snake comes out, it's not that God had sent the snake to punish him. And it's not even that Paul, like you say, Paul doesn't say, this snake was sent to show you to believe in me either. It's just bad things happen. We keep on carrying on. That's a really different theology than when good things are happening, God is rewarding you. When bad things happen, God is zapping you.
1: Yeah. I mean, just a few episodes when we were talking about the jailbreaks. Yeah. You know, in the book of Acts and, you know, whether it be Paul or Peter or any of them, when they're preaching the gospel and they're being told, don't do this. And when they're placed in jail, they're like, this is great. Like, this is awesome. Like, you know, because it means that they're doing something. Right. right. You know, and and Paul, you know, Philippians is often credited to Paul. um, And it's one of the more joyful of the letters credited to Paul. But we forget that that was written yeah.
0: uh, in a Roman jail. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it like makes mention about being in chains as he's writing. Yeah,
1: you know, so it's it, like you said, it's a very different idea than what most of Western Christianity s- sees as, you know, like good equals blessing and bad equals cursing yeah. from God.
0: And this story, in that sense, seems m- important as an additional like underscoring of that because like when Paul's in prison or Peter's in prison you could make the case well God's not punishing them it's human people who are causing this Mm -hmm. bad thing to happen clearly that's unjust and yet God can work through it but here are natural circumstances a shipwreck and like when you think of say another story with a shipwreck in the Bible when it's Jonah and there's a you know a storm at sea Jonah's response is oh God is sending this because I'm on the boat if you throw me overboard the storm will be Mm -hmm. done and I know God is punishing me um Again, that's that—that's a whole conversation on its own. Maybe for a weird Bible stories of the Old Testament round three, we'll go back <laughs> to that story. But this seems to be Paul, like, um, re- telling us, like, that's not how this works. That every yeah. bad thing that happens isn't God zapping you, but in fact sometimes bad things happen because that's life in the world Mm -hmm. in which we live. And so, interestingly, too, Paul doesn't like, you know, launch into a sermon on um, this is part of God's general, you know, curse on all of humanity for our sinfulness that God sends snakes. It's just sort of, this is a thing that happened, (laughs) and yet I carry on and I'm going to keep doing the thing I'm supposed to do. Which, which again, to me says, like, the way we as church face difficult times in our day and time maybe we need to revisit and review that. You know, like, it, it is really easy for us to slide into, oh, the budget's doing well, we must be doing something right, God is blessing us, mm-hmm. or things are going badly, or uh, there's a pandemic going on, or whatever, God must be upset at us. Maybe we're misreading how to deal with the ups and downs of life, and maybe it's not like that. I am reminded of, um, and, and I'm going to forget where in his theology he says this, but there's there's a piece in... Um, uh, somewhere in Luther's writings, where he talks about the marks of the church, like the things that you will know what the true church is like. Mm-hmm. And, and like a lot of standard theologians of the early Reformation, he says things like, well, the, where, where the gospel is rightly preached and where the sacraments are rightly administered. Okay, fair enough. But then he adds to his list of marks of the true church suffering. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that has always haunted me, especially because like it's it's put in a list that includes churchy stuff like sacraments and you know holy communion and baptism and preaching um but also that to be you'll, you'll know that it's the faithful church if they're in the presence of suffering and not necessarily persecution that could be a part of it it's not yeah. it's not necessarily that only true christians are getting thrown in jail but like that we do need to be in the presence where they're suffering and if we're not already dealing with something difficult we're supposed to be in the presence where others are suffering um that seems to be an important lesson that again doesn't get a lot of headlines and you find very few people writing Christian bestsellers or in the inspirational section saying we should be found in the presence of suffering. If we weren't already, we should be in the presence of other people's suffering helping to alleviate or walk with people going through it. But this book, this story from Acts certainly seems to point in that direction. That Mm -hmm. not only is Paul dealing with a shipwreck and a snake bite, but once they're through that, he doesn't go, whew, now I've done with all the suffering. But he goes and helps, okay, who around is sick? Let's help those people rather than... Um, treating it as God was punishing or rewarding him for the snakebiter mm-hmm. being healed from it.
1: I remember once um, I was in a Sunday school class in seminary and the gal that was leading it said, getting back to this idea, you know, God's punishing and everything, you know, the closer you are to God, the less that Satan messes with you. Hmm. Um, and I, I just had, I I, I couldn't <laughs> stay quiet. And, I'm like, and And she was a seminary grad too. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, wait, what's going on here? You know, I was going to the same school she went to. And I'm just like, um, no, that's not how how this works. And so I really like that idea from Luther's, you know, theology where, you know, yes, it's not necessarily persecution. um, And and that's a whole other conversation for another day about what is and what is not persecution in the West. Um, But, you know, like the idea that, you know, the more the closer we get to God, the more we're going to encounter that, whether that be that we're suffering or, you know, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, you know, to act justly, to love mercy, to do, you know, walk yeah. humbly with your God. I think somebody quoted that last episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> means that we're going to have to be around those people that, so we can show them mercy and justice. Right. It probably means that they're not receiving mercy and justice. Right,
0: right, right. It, and, and to me, like, the the, the best of, of the tradition that I come from in, in, um... Luther's um theses they're called the Heidelberg disputation theses. He talked one of the phrases that becomes important to Luther's theology is a theology of the cross that he contrasts with a theology of glory. And mm. basically in his time he's saying conventional wisdom of his time was you see God in the sunshiny days when things are going your way when things are well and blessed and that's how you know God's with you because there's a bluebird on your shoulder and things are going well. And um Luther says no the the right place to see God is where basically where you least expect God where a respectable God isn't supposed to be in suffering not only in God's choice to suffer on a cross but that that's how we encounter mm-hmm. God as well in our you know dark night of the soul times in the times that we are empty and running on fumes so rather than running from that and saying what can I do to give me a spiritual pick me up maybe it's how do I how do I push through that how do I live in that space and discover that God needs me there and w- once you have that kind of lens like you discover, oh my goodness, those kind of experiences of meeting God in those dark, empty places, that's not the exception, that's the rule. Mm -hmm. That's how it always happens again and again through the Bible and it's rarely up on the mountaintop with the angels singing and the light coming down but it's, you know, in a manger in the backwater town of Bethlehem. It's, Elijah feeling alone and despondent waiting at the edge of the cave for God to speak after the hurricane or the the whirlwind and the fire and all that and feeling alone and empty. Mm -hmm. You know, Moses in the wilderness. It's Israel in the wilderness and that in those places it's Again, where you least expect a respectable God to show up, that God shows up. That that change that that notion that insight in my faith life changed the way I read the whole Bible. And it's it's again it, like this this story from the end of Acts sort of shows again like this is how it works for the people of God shows God shows up in the midst of suffering, not in spite of suffering, or not only in happy days.
1: And even when we do have those little glimpses of those mountaintop experiences, mm-hmm. I, I think of the Transfiguration. Yeah. That was a moment in time. Right. We don't know how long they were up there, probably a couple you know, a few hours maybe, you know, a day tops, you know, and, and Peter's like, Let's build some tents, let's make this last right. forever. And then as soon as they come down from that mountain, yeah. what do they encounter but a demon possessed boy?
0: Right. And then it's Jesus who's the one who leads them back down, saying, We can't stay up here, we've gotta go from here. Yeah. So it's
1: not just that they come back down and life just kind of normal. Right. You know, it's like, okay, let's get back into the suffering. Let's get back into things. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, And especially in Mark's gospel, but I think to some degree this is true in Matthew and Luke who sort of follow his chronology, that transfiguration moment is right about the point where Jesus starts very clearly saying this journey isn't headed toward a mountaintop but to the cross and Jesus Mm -hmm. gets more and more explicit with it so even if there's other happy moments along the way like no this is headed toward the way of self-giving and and suffering love and again that's that's not meant to say that Christians are supposed to be sad and miserable and that you'll only know we're we're devout or truly true believers if we're miserable Mm -hmm. but like that we shouldn't be surprised that God leads us into the midst of sharing the suffering of others for the You know, that we can be a part of helping accompany people through it, too.
1: I can't help but think of Mother Teresa. Like, everybody thinks of her, you you always picture her smile. Like, Mm -hmm. it always seems like when she was photographed, most of the time, she was happy. But yet, you look at her life. You look at where she lived and the people she lived amongst in in the, you know, the backwater alleyways of Calcutta. And if you know her story, I mean, she had a long, dark night of the soul. Yeah kind of thing, but yet we lift her up as being like this great saint of the church mm-hmm. and she was, but like we we want the happy side of Mother Teresa, the pretty side of Mother Teresa, but we don't want all the suffering and the right. heartache and the, you know uh, and I think that's, you know, when you were describing Luther earlier, that's kind of what I'm picturing yeah. you know, just in the modern sense Um, you know, if just look at Mother Teresa, like yeah, you get this happy side of her, you know, holding these little children and everything, right. they're cute and they're but then you think about the situation the kids are living in, the what she's living in. Yeah. Yeah. You know.
0: There's a line from Marilyn Robinson's novel, Gilead, where uh, the narrator, uh, who is this uh, old preacher who knows he's dying and writing a letter to his son who he knows uh, will not be old enough to have this conversation with him when he's little. And there's a, there's a part where this preacher sort of looks back and he says, um, I've heard... Other people say they think Christians worship sorrow, and he goes, "I don't think that's quite true, but we do think there's a profound mystery in it." And that, yeah. th- I love that yeah. correction. That mm-hmm. like, there's it's it's easy to, to fall off the edge and be like, "Okay, so Christians are supposed to you know, be sadists, and we're supposed to like wallow mm-hmm. in self pity and misery, and that's how you like." No, the point isn't to be miserable. Um, and if you're happy, you should feel guilty that you're happy, but more like the, the 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 way to know where God is isn't, "Am I happy? and Is there a blue button on my shoulder? I must be doing it right." But we're called in those mountaintop experiences to be recharged, so that then we can face somebody else is struggling. How do we share that suffering with them, and how do we mm-hmm. discover there's the presence of God can be found in those places of profound sorrow and loss, rather than oh, God certainly isn't there.
1: You know? Yeah, we throughout this podcast and in, in this not so much in this series, but in others, we put up you know the fences. And yeah, the, yeah. And on that one side, you have the prosperity gospel where you right. know everything is going great. You know, God is blessing you if your life is perfect. And then we can take that, well, I don't want to be that. So right. we can take that, like, well, then I have to be miserable all the time. Right. And I think that, you know, that there's a mystery in the sorrow. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that we worship it. Right. But that we understand that there is there is light, there is hope in the midst of sorrow because of what Jesus did on the cross.
0: Right, right, right. It, it to me, almost feels like, uh, in in those famous words of Psalm 23, you know, that God goes with us through the valley of the shadow of death. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes pop theology wants to say, uh, if you're in the valley of the shadow of death, God must have abandoned you because you must have done something wrong mm-hmm. or God's punishing you or God's only, you know, in the bright, sunny mountaintop. But on the other hand, it's possible to say, um, if you're suffering in the valley of the shadow of death, you should like it because that's where you're supposed to stay forever. Yeah. No, you're not supposed to stay there forever. That you'll lead me through and we get to the other side of mm-hmm. that. Um And that it's in the presence of God, even in those unexpected places, that something powerful is able to be seen. Um, But that whole notion of God in the places that the the conventional wisdom thinks are too sad or too lowly or too empty or whatever, that seems to be, for Paul at least, a really powerful example of this is how you know it's the power of God. Because it's not about human wisdom or human might or human power. It's about what looks like weakness, what looks like death, what looks like loss as well. I am thinking of a, a line of um, Robert for our capons. There's a, a piece is where he talks about that uh, he says, like, most American Christians would rather have Superman than the actual Jesus that we get, yes. you know, like, mm-hmm. and he talks about how we would rather have a, 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 a savior who doesn't do a foolish thing like dying and rising, he would just never die in the first place. But like that's the logic of the Christian story, is not you avoid death and you avoid Mm -hmm. the difficult thing, it's we go through death and there's resurrection that comes through it. And holding on to that difference seems important, so that in a story like this from Acts, where it's not about somebody dying, but these terrible things happen, and instead of them going this must be God punishing us for something bad. No, nope, these things happen. We will carry on and, c- and come through this and trust that God will lift us through so that we can be present for other people who are going through suffering as well. That seems, that that's how the gospel works, I guess.
1: I recently saw on social media somebody, and I've seen this a few different times, maybe you've seen it too, um, it's a bumper sticker that if Jesus had a gun, he'd still be alive today. Hmm. You know, and like, that that's... that's not the point of the gospel people that's the opposite of how this works that's just so we have to walk through suffering if Jesus was willing to walk through suffering and he calls us to follow him and to carry our crosses just like he carried his cross then you know those kind of things um just drive me nuts when I when I see people yeah, like this, yeah, yeah. this whole idea of like well Jesus didn't have to die no yeah actually right. he kind that, of did
0: the, faith hangs <laughs> on literally somebody hanging on a cross yeah. yeah well like in in our tradition this coming Sunday is the story where after asking the disciples who do you say that I am you know Peter blurts out mm-hmm. technically right but misunderstanding <laughs> you're the Messiah right. and Jesus is like well okay thanks for saying that but hold on don't tell anybody because Everybody's going to hear that as you know the guy with the gun shooting the bad guys, mm-hmm. and no, he says my way of being God's savior is I'm headed toward a cross, suffering death, and then a resurrection. And when Peter's like, "No, no, no, that should never happen to you," Jesus has to say, "No, this you, you know get behind How me, saying say you you don't mm-hmm. get it. That's completely the opposite of what I've come to be," um, and if peter has to struggle with that like yeah we're going to still wrestle with that same impulse but it's worth it's worth recognizing that impulse of avoid the cross shoot him down and get him first like jesus says that is satanic that's anti-christ right so it's not just that you have jesus but he gets to be the gun-toting hero who you know mows down his enemies the way of jesus like we see even in the story from Acts, but throughout the gospels is to go through the the path of suffering self-giving love for the sake of others not I'll avoid the unpleasant thing by mowing down my enemies. Mm-hmm. And it's Jesus' constant choice for that that the early church walked into as well. I mean, at any point, Paul goes, you know what? There's all these shipwrecks and beatings. I'm giving up on this. I want to pick a religion that requires less of me. Um, and instead, it's, no, this is how you know it's it's the, the real deal. It's that God brings us yeah. in the midst of those times through them. Um, and that his choice, after having had that escape from the personal danger of a snake bite and the shipwreck... That he doesn't say now. I've earned some time to avoid trouble, but okay, I'm here. There's other people who are hurting. How can I help them? Um, that says something powerful. And it, to me, it seems like that's how the the ancient people who came to faith saw that this was real and not just a snake oil, you know, mm-hmm. thing. That this wasn't you know, a sales pitch. That like the the early Christians like Paul were willing when they got nothing out of the deal, just. We're here to make life better for you in the midst of your suffering. We're here to walk with you through this rather than we've got this religious program to sell you for our own benefit. Anything else from this story you think would be helpful for us to ponder or think on as we um, move forward?
1: I don't have anything in particular do you
0: i guess the only the only other thing that that sticks with me is we talked about how this story kind of feels open-ended mm-hmm. and to me that feels like it's a segue into the very very last sentence of the book of acts the in in uh, the New Revised Standard, the very, very last sentence of Acts is something like, the good news continued without hindrance, or something like that. The Proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Um, the, the Greek, if my memory serves for that, without hindrance, is one word that like basically means nothing getting in the way, but that it's an open-ended kind of mm-hmm. a story. That even though Luke writes this story, certainly after Paul had been martyred, Um, so everybody who was reading this when he wrote it knew what eventually happened to Paul there's a sense of the story isn't over and it continues on and I think something that's lovely about that is it at least turns it back to you and to me about okay the story is still going on how are we going to be a part of this as well and so there even in early in chapter 28 when it just sort of ends the the episode ends with he went on healing people uh, that like there's this open-endedness of now we're drawn into this as well and if we're part of this same movement, then where are you and I called to you know, walk mm-hmm. with other people in their suffering? Where are we called to participate in that mystery that shows up in suffering instead of just, here's stuff that happened, Ooh, good news, it's done, and we don't have to deal with it. No, we're drawn into this same story. And it's that open-endedness that um, provokes me, I guess, like you know, haunts uh-huh. me, like, uh, oh, I, we aren't just people who tell stories about what God used to do. The story's still going on because we're a part of it. Um, and that kicks me in the rear end when i need that i guess so um we sure appreciate you joining us here for this adventure through another weird bible story we hope you'll join us next time here on crazy faith talk for more adventures
1: see y'all